Yeah, look, by all indications, like I said, this issue is is far from over. And in fact, the repercussions of it could well be uh, more devastating next year when it has to be dealt with and when um, the the exams have to be accredited. So uh, we just have to keep watching the situation and really hope that um, in the end, uh, pupils are not going to be made to suffer. I don't know if it's going to be possible that they'll be able to track down every single learner who may have had access to that paper before it was written. Uh, but certainly it's an investigation that is going to take some time. And that in itself is going to have a bearing on um, the process that this follows and how soon it's able to be resolved in terms of uh, the department's own investigation of identifying the learners who could well have had access to it. And um, my understanding is that right now, um, the, the the issue of access seems to be much further than just this, uh, you know, some some say it's 200, some says 190, but effectively it seems to be much further than just these figures that were used in court in the Afroforum case. So, yeah, a, a story that is far from over. Well, let's get into our 10 o'clock conversation. Uh, if you are a meat lover and if you love bulldog, you might be interested in this one. Uh, South Africa has fought a battle for many years over the name Rooibos. And another battle seems to now be emerging. This is over the name Biltong. Um, it seems that there's international contestation over the origins of this name. I, I, I don't know the full context of the story, but somebody who does is Joseph Gao. He's an agricultural economist at the Agricultural Research Council of South Africa. Good morning, Joseph, and thank you so much for your time today. Hello, Joseph. Hello, Katie. Hi. Yes, I can hear you now. I can hear you now. So, as I was saying to the listeners, I don't know much about the context and the history of this Bildung matter, but perhaps you can just uh, make it plain for all of us to understand what is going on here. Thank you very much. Uh, Bildong is one indigenous product of South Africa, of which, as a uh, matter stands right now, it is not protected in terms of trademark, it is not protected in terms of intellectual pro- uh, property, it is also not protected in terms of ge- geographic uh, indicator. And because of that, you find a number of countries, a number of countries such as Australia and the, the U.S., tending to commercialize Bildung and using the trademark of South Africa in their own countries in a manner that South Africa does not benefit from the proceeds of commercialization of Bildung. Now, the issue of having to protect Bildung is not a straightforward process. It's a very complex uh, process more so, as we know, Bildung in South Africa has got a history. It started back in the years, we are counting thousands and thousands of years, whereby the indigenous people of Southern Africa were actually practicing uh, 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 the act of killing animals and just you know, harvesting the meat and drying the meat on the sun. That's how Bildung started. And back then, there were different local languages and local names attached to Bildung. In my own Venezuelan name, as an example, 
building is called Mohaba. Now, with, as time evolves, then we have a situation whereby the commercial farmers now tended to actually uh, standardize the, 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 the process of producing Bildung, and they, gave it, they came up in a new name called Bildung. And that is the situation at this point in time. But as it is, it remains unprotected in South Africa, but in other countries, such as Belgium, as an example. Some companies had already registered a GI in the name of Bildung, and as it is, it's an exploitation of mm. South Africa's uh, indigenous products. What is the big problem here? Is it about the name Bildung, or is it about the actual product? Um, because, yes, it is dried meat, but are we saying that nobody else in the world has been drying meat over uh, these centuries? There are quite a number of aspects. If I were to come to the issue of geographic indicators as as an example, a geographic indicator is a form of intellectual property whereby the product in question is actually associated with the geographic origin of the product that is being contested for. Now, in the case of um, South Africa, we know that Back in the years, South Africa has its own specific indigenous breeds of cattle. And one of the indigenous breeds, as an example, could be Nguni. The other one could be Dragon's Death. In the area of wildlife, I'm talking about game farming now, you'll have, uh, you know, the wild species such as your springbok, which, in a way, they are indigenous to South Africa. So the issue of the uniqueness of the product as a starter it has to do with the geographic origin. Number two, it has got to do with the environment, the climate, the soils, the vegetation. If I were to use the example of the Karoo lamb as an example, the vegetation that the, the lambs in Karoo are consuming are actually unique. So because of that, and also the methodology by which the, 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 the building is being produced, we know back in the days it was produced organically without adding any preservatives. So as a result, as South Africans, we own a specific trait with respect to how we produce Bildung, number one. Number two, in terms of the breed, which exist, which are indigenous to South Africa. So there's a manner by which we can claim certain characteristics that are associated with South Africa as a region, as a specific geographic area. And our own building is actually unique. In, in, in America, if I may give an example, they do have the so-called a, a jerky. A jerky is another form of meat, which is also produced in the manner that the building in South Africa is being produced. But if you were to test the jerky of the United States of America, the taste is, the diff- is different, the texture is different. So as a, I think that's how we could differentiate, mm, mm. you know, What does obtaining this geographical indication status mean for products? So why is it important um, for this process to take place? It is important in in a manner that once we protect this particular South African product, there is no any other country that can produce the same product in their own territory. And there's no way, once we have protected it as a geographic, geographic indicator, there's no way 
they can actually claim trademarks or claim intellectual property without having secured the necessary consent or actually having paid for the necessary franchise rights, if I may use an example of, of that nature, so far as South Africa is concerned. So the geographic indicator is important in that, in that uh, regard, if I may put it that way. It seems that there's going to be quite a contestation, um, especially when we look at countries like Namibia, who I understand could also have a claim over Bulldog. It is correct, but like I said, it will take a lot of innovation in terms of how the matter is approached. As the matter stands right now, the Bulldog is actually harvested from all manner of breeds of cattle. Is produced from all manner of wild uh, animals. And if we were to go back and ask, what is it that is unique with respect to South Africa? As vis-a-vis Namibia, as an example. Now, that's where the issue of the indigenous animals of South Africa come in. Unless, if I were to give an example, unless if we were, we were to be challenged in a manner of saying, as an example, the Nguni cattle are also found in Namibia in South Africa. As an example, the Springbok, by origin, are also from Namibia and South Africa. But if we could come to a point whereby we can prove beyond reasonable doubt that indeed Nguni cattle are true of origin to South Africa, the Springbok, as an example, is true of origin of South Africa. In the process, of building this GI. Now we start to modify the manner of how we approach it. We now start to uh, modify the manner by which this product is being produced. And hence, that's why I, I alluded to the, to the methodologi- methodologies that were actually practiced in ancient times, whereby those methodologies had to do with organic, organic farming. Organic farming meaning the cattle were just grazing natural grass. Mm, and not mm. not having to be subjected to feedlots whereby some additives are added, preservatives and so forth. That's, that's in, the, in the first example. The second example, at the level of processing, is the question of putting the meat just openly on the sun to dry the natural process, which in a way is also another form of organics. So there, there are different aspects. And I think countries like France, they have actually mastered this process. There's a particular cheese that is being produced in France, which is actually produced in a particular cave. So they went as far as using a particular uh, a, a, a breed of milk, an example, a type of milk, going beyond milk. There's a particular process. There's a particular environment and particular temperatures and particular conditions by which that particular cheese is being processed. And following the, 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 the correct protocols, at the end of the day, they were able to secure a GI for that particular cheese. So I don't, see, mm-hmm. I don't see how in South Africa, if we apply innovation, how can we fail? It might take long, it might be costly, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, it's about putting heads together and thinking 
the innovative ways of doing it. You know, you're bringing me to my next point, because when we think about the battle over rooibos and karoo lamb, and these were very significant for South Africa, right? I mean, the rooibos case is just absolutely remarkable. It did take a long time and it did take a lot of money in order to be able to 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 finalize. Is it worth it? Uh, because when I look at it, somebody in Belgium has already registered the name Bultong as their trademark. So it looks like we've also been sleeping on ourselves a little bit there. Sure. As Meta stands right now, Kathy, I think we have a little bit of if I may say, advantage or privilege, in a manner that when you look at the example of Rainbow, back in the days, we did not have a dedicated legislation with which, as South Africans, we could use to fight this particular battle. However, just last year, in March, uh, the Ministry of Agriculture, uh, he actually gazetted a new legislation, the so-called Agricultural Product Standard Act, Act number 119 of 1990, which culminated with the harmonization and coordination of a number of policies and legislation in South Africa. And in essence, this particular bill will go a long way in terms of guiding producers on the ground as to which steps need to be followed in terms of either fighting the unfair registration of GI in Belgium. Remember with Roy Boss, Already in the U.S., a GI was already registered, but Rooibos Company was able to fight the battle in court and they won the battle. Now imagine if we do it now in a situation whereby in South Africa now we are having a new bill, a new law, which I suspect by now it must have been approved already. So the circumstances of comparing Rooibos and what is happening now are actually different. I think, I think that there's a room for us to actually try so, so uh, is this matter going to be taken up further? I mean, um, do you foresee the department being interested um, in this fight or are you not really looking to them? Uh, this is the Department of R- uh, Rural Development and Agriculture. They certainly seem to be lukewarm about the idea of, of, of registering the, uh, the, ge- ge- the ge- geographical indication status. This matter is a matter that involves a number of stakeholders and I must acknowledge the groundbreaking work the sterling work of the University of Pretoria spearheaded by uh, Professor Johan Kirsten and the Western Department of Agriculture spearheaded by Dr. Dirk Trotsky whereby they had already did some research I think they, they, they were the pioneers. They, they did a lot of socioeconomic research in terms of advancing the GI for the Karoo lamb. Now, this number of stakeholders, and I think also in the area of uh, game farming, there are interest groups which are actually pushing very hard to have the building uh, 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 secure the GI. So what I'm trying to say is that you need to have a situation whereby the lobby groups the, lab, the lobby groups, uh, 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 the interest groups on the ground, they need to mobilize and pull resources together. There needs to be a situation whereby different stakeholders, they come together and they approach the Department of Agriculture, working with the Department of Agriculture, of course, and other interest groups, pursue this matter at the legal front. Obviously, it's a costly uh, exercise, 
But I think if different groups are coming together, it's a war that South Africa can eventually be able to win. All right. Joseph Kau, let me thank you so much for your time. He's an agricultural economist at the Agricultural Research Council of South Africa. What do you make of that, right? Should South Africa be entering into a fight to officially own Biltong, effectively? Um, as you heard, the different means and ways of how it's produced, but um, the origins of it, at least that's the argument that South Africa will put on the table, is indigenous to uh, this country and therefore it's geographical indication status should show uh, that it's from South Africa. And I understand one of the things that um, this would then mean is that producers of bultong will be able to charge a premium price for their bultong so that everybody who's buying it, if you're overseas, it'll probably say made in, in South Africa, or there'll be some kind of indication that shows you where it's coming from. And therefore, you know, it's like buying Swiss chocolate, right? Um, if you're buying local chocolate, you're okay with the fact that it costs five rand and then suddenly you see the other chocolate that's next to it, right? And it costs like 80 rand or 19 rand and you're like, what is in this? Why does it cost so much money? Uh, But part of why they're able to charge so much for it uh, is because it's, you know, from Switzerland and we're told that the Swiss apparently make the best chocolate uh, or at least that's part of the argument that would be advanced. So does what kind of position do you think that would put South Africa in? Are you committed to Bulldog enough to even be interested or support a cause such as this one? I'm interested to know from you. The number to dial this morning is 011 714 On WhatsApp, it's 614 Some of the messages coming through on the WhatsApp line. Hi, hi, Kathy. It's always been my understanding that Biltong was introduced elsewhere in the world by expats uh, wanting a slice of home, originally by importing it. That's uh, a, a message from Michael in Umdentweni. Uh, thanks for that message, Michael.